Welcome back to It Was Murder. <laughs> God. What? I feel like that was racist somehow, and I don't know how. <laughs> well, everything is going to be racist today because <laughs> yeah, we are talking about the man with the jade eyes. I am one of your hosts, Eric Blood, <laughs> the diehard romantic. <laughs> <laughs> Should, do you want to start again? Joe, <laughs> 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 why don't you just say your name? <laughs> oh, I don't know. I was waiting for you. <laughs> I'm Joe Garber, the expectant virgin. <laughs> I'm, I'm Ellen. I'm Ellen Ito. <laughs> Devoted lover. Oh, how oh, are you? Sorry. How are you guys oh, doing? Wow. She got it out. Oh man, <laughs> we have a case of the giggles. Ooh. Yeah, it's a yeah. It's a pretty funny mm. app. <sighs> the man with the jade eyes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what? Okay, okay. Uh, <laughs> racy. We got racy this it's, week. It's racy mm-hmm. to say the least. Um, mm-hmm. Racial. Yes. <laughs> it's just, okay. Mm. okay. Why do you need to do the whole theme? Like, why? Eh, well, you know, we'll, we'll dig into that. We'll we see. Will. Okay. We'll see. Okay. Okay. I need to breathe because I was laughing too hard. <laughs> we got to do our minute maxes. Got to do the minute maxes. And I start this episode. Mm. Eric, Eric, then me, then Ellen. Oh, shit. Yeah, I'm really worried about this one for some reason. I don't reason. know. Yeah, I don't have any memory of what happened in this episode. <laughs> not, and so not a lot happened. Okay, so the, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. I'm okay. going to try. Okay. Jonathan and Jennifer are eating at their favorite Anglo-Chinese restaurant when a Chinese man <laughs> walks in and dies on their table, but not before saying, you have to bring the man with the jade eyes to the temple. They have no idea what the fuck he's talking about. Max is in the back playing Mahjong. Uh, <laughs> the cops show up. A uh, cop can't eat with chopsticks. It's very funny. Yeah, so uh, funny. Then they go out to their car and they find a box that's in there that the, that the dead Chinese man put in there. They take it home and it's a hotai. Uh, uh, it's a hotai. <laughs> hotai statue. I was going to say hotep. Totally different culture. Uh, and they, uh, <laughs> they find it. They're like, what up? They go to uh, the dead guy's store. Uh, they have a bunch of inexpensive goods, but uh, don't seem to be that interested in the, in the thing. There's a giant chauffeur with a fucked up eye uh, who attacks them. Uh, the master actor, James Hong, is behind every corner. Mm. I absolutely did not do a very good job of this. Mm. I'm not going to be able to do any better. That, I, this is hard. This is hard. Like, okay. Right. Um. <laughs> This is another episode where I fell asleep and had to rewatch a bunch of it the next day. <laughs> that just is going to happen. I think every time we try to watch an episode. <laughs> so that, and that like confuses me because it's like, I'm in the middle of the plot. Where did I remember leaving off? And then I try to jump back in and then I don't know what's happening. It's so confusing. Well, I think I covered everything until you fell asleep. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I wasn't ready yet. Okay. So, uh, the man with the jade eyes, the hearts are out to eat at a Chinese food restaurant and Jimmy Lee, a man leaves a statue in their car and it's a statue of Buddha, I think. Uh, and there's something special about it, but they don't know what there's a, the Colonel Sanders wants the KFC Colonel. <laughs> well, he has a, a sidekick 
assassin named Lisa Wong and they want the statue back, but they don't know why. So they find out that they work at a place called a thousand and one pleasures and Jonathan, but it's men only. So Jonathan goes in and there's a sign outside of Lisa Wong's office that says doing pleasure with you is my pleasure. pleasure. (laughs) No, doing business with you is my pleasure. pleasure. Um, So he confronts her. They take Jennifer until he gets them the statue, which uh, some monks stole and took into the temple. And then they end up trying to help the monks get the statue back and they replace it with a blender. And then they all fight in the temple (laughs) and they hit the giant chauffeur with a gong thing and then knock him out. And that's the end. Oh my god! Mm. I don't know. This has been the hardest one. It's so weird. This has been the absolute hardest one. It's so weird. (laughs) They were all hard for me. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) (laughs) Here goes nothing. (laughs) Okay, so Colonel Sanders and uh, the Asian lady are in the limousine saying menacing things, and Jimmy Lee comes out carrying crate, and then they chase him, and they have a weird giant with an ugly Y-shaped scar on his eye. We don't know why, but he's very tall. And so he they uh, chase Jimmy Lee, and then he hides the crate. He They stab him to death. He staggers into the restaurant, and right before he dies, he gives the hearts a clue about the statue, the man with the jade eyes. So the hearts go home. They have the crate, whatever. Lisa Wong comes on her yellow moped to be like, hey, hearts, um, it's Lisa Wong. Can you give me the thing? Oh, you can't. Okay, well, then you're going to go follow me. And then I'm going to be a madam um, at the Thousand One Pleasures Place. And then um, there's going to be some monks that seem menacing, but they're not menacing because they're monks and it's their statue. And so the hearts try to get the statue back to them. Jonathan goes to get information from the thousand no does he get kidnapped and go to thousand one pleasures i don't remember Mm. um but then there's a big fight and then hilariously or not hilariously the giant gets hit by a gong the end Mm -hmm. (laughs) wow wow you came in under time how much time do you have left none oh you're okay okay i thought that was like that was the best one that was great mm, that was not trying to accurate (laughs) yeah i don't know okay so this episode was this this episode was like it was weird pure comedy Let's just like the like, music. Let's put aside the racism for one second <laughs> and just talk okay. about how this episode was a comedic episode at heart. Like everything was funny. Everything was a joke. There were times Slapstick. when I felt like it was like airplane. Like it, it felt yeah. like airplane. Like yeah. the, the, uh, the scene in the thousand one pleasures place where uh, Jonathan is opening the doors, and even when Jennifer eventually goes oh, in and opens yeah. the doors, I'm like this is from Kentucky Fried Movie. Like yeah. this is this there's is like a totally... bunch of different um, massage therapists doing like hitting men with different tools, and like the funniest part to that was it, <laughs> the place is called A Thousand and One Pleasures, and Jonathan gets to go in, has to go in alone, and Jennifer says the funniest thing where she's like, "Find out what the one is." Yeah, and I love that. But yeah. all, and Max was also like a thousand and one. Like yeah. I, they were all hung up on the thousand and one part. Which I love that. Was a cute recurring joke. And then there was a sign. Yeah, the airplane. Sure. Another airplane thing was like one through five hundred oh, pleasures. Right. Five hundred yeah, and one through a thousand and one pleasures that was this amazing. way. And then <laughs> that was the, so funny. And the Lisa Wong sign that said my my. Doing business with you Madam as Madam Lisa Wong. Madam Lisa Wong. Madam that was, Lisa Wong. Yeah, that one. I didn't think that was as funny, but <laughs> doing business with you is my, my pleasure, pleasure, and my is underlined. Giant sign. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, there, lots of side gigs. I mean, lots of lots of slapsticky stuff. I mean, anytime you're going to bring in just an outsized 
Scarface chauffeur yeah. as a character. I mean, we kind of know that they're going for some sort of a campy-ish, like mm-hmm. James Bondy kind of yeah. riff, right? But this episode's so challenging because, of course, <clears throat> there's a lot of things about it that, you know, are not great. But there's also a lot of things with the dialogue and the characters that are snappy and delightful. There's also some, I think, some surprises for me mm-hmm. with Jennifer's dialogue in particular. That seems surprisingly aware. Uh, like it's an Anglo-Chinese restaurant, which is not necessarily how I would characterize things. And she also references the problematic nature of colonialism. Sorry, I said problematic. Yeah. But, but um, overall, I, I struggle with how I enjoy this episode because I do kind of, in, I do kind of enjoy this episode. Yeah. Um, the funny thing about yeah. the, the Anglo-Chinese restaurant is my dad, when I grew when I was growing up, holy shit, Boba. Boba's chewing on a bone underneath yeah, the table. Right under us. But so <laughs> my dad, I grew up in Whitefish, Montana, and my dad worked at a Chinese restaurant as a white man. And it was owned by a guy named Jimmy Lee, and it was called Jimmy Lee's. And it was just like this, I'm pretty sure he was That's white. That's a great name for it. Yeah. <laughs> but it was very Anglo-Chinese. <laughs> I mean, a lot of... Was most it Chinese-American Chinese food? He, he might have... No, I think it was like just Chinese. I'm pretty sure. Is that what they call... Like, we all we call it now Americanized Chinese food. Like, when, we get, when you go and get chow mein and egg rolls and, uh-huh. you know, you get a fortune cookie at the end. Uh-huh. But... Did they actually call it Anglo Chinese in the seventies and eighties? Um, that was new to me. Like yeah. that phrase is is not entirely new, but I'd never heard it used in that way to describe food. And so immediately when she said it, I was like, "Oh, is she saying that it's Hong Kong style?" Um, but the restaurant is called the Mandarin Coin, which, yeah. so that wouldn't really make sense because the overwhelming influence on food from Hong Kong is not the colonial influence. It's the Cantonese influence. Um, but yeah, that, that was kind of, kind of interesting, right? I mean, my, my memory bit, and there's plenty of, of writings about the history of Chinese food in America, right? But Chinese American food is how, you know, like you see the old land signs, right? It's Chinese American, yeah. right? Where you can, and it's these anglicized um, foods they're anglicized. So maybe that's where the Anglo Chinese thing comes from is because we refer to Chinese American cuisine as being anglicized. That's how I yeah. read that, that yeah. interpretation. I also, I kind of, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not, I'm not Chinese. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not sorry. Chinese I'm not either. Chinese. <laughs> I but, am. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You're not Chinese. And I'm glad you're finally apologizing. I thought it was an, an interesting distinction to make for Jennifer to say this is her favorite Anglo Chinese restaurant. Yeah. I thought that was amazing. Yeah. But in yeah. my family, we refer to what would be considered like Chinese American food as Spokane style Chinese oh. food because, <laughs> Spokane because style. yeah, because of um, how after World War II, right, my mom's family moved to Spokane, which is how she ended up meeting Eric's dad. Oh, right. Uh, in Spokane, but as kids. But um, so there was, one Chinese American restaurant of of note, and we would go there because Japanese Americans we love Chinese food. Well, who doesn't? Everyone loves um, Chinese but, food, mm-hmm. right? But so we would go there and and uh, have that. But then, of course, 
every time my grandparents uh, would come to Seattle, we would always go to the International District and eat less Chinese American Chinese food yeah, and yeah. love that. But so my uh, uncle and I were talking one time and we were like, oh, do you ever just crave like that? Whatever that is, it's like, yeah, like Spokane style Chinese food. Uh, and so actually whenever any of us find a restaurant that really nails it with those flavors that we remember, mm-hmm. um, we'll let each other know like, Hey, I found some Spokane style Chinese food in downtown Emanclaw. <laughs> and and we totally like, we love it. Right. It's a nostalgia. It's more about a food memory for us because then it is about anything to do with our own heritage, but it is part of our own food story just in that way. But so I think of when Jennifer says like, it's an Anglo Chinese restaurant, I think, oh, Spokane style. I'm pretty sure in Whitefish, Montana, all I was getting was Anglo style Canadian Chinese food. <laughs> One, yeah, yeah, you were totally getting. I don't think I was getting any kind of genuine Canadian Chinese food. <laughs> Chinese food, which but, is delicious. Uh, yeah, yeah. I did love that Max speaks Mandarin, right? And he plays mahjong, <laughs> yeah. and they don't make a single a single bone about it. Nope. I had this moment when when Jimmy Lee stumbles like in the cold sweat last gasp moment stumbles into the restaurant and Jonathan says he looks like he's had one, one too, many too many gin, gin slings. slings. Yeah. And I sort of had this moment where I'm like, what's a gin sling? And I didn't look it up, but I, I thought, I wonder I if it was originally meant to be Singapore sling and they cut it. Probably. Yeah. I'm sure that's right. Because yeah. it was so specific that it was, mm-hmm. it was meant to be a racist remark for sure. So have you guys read, 1Q84 by Haruki Murakami. Yes. Because that assassin in that book uh, has like a, a little needle that mm-hmm. she uses to like puncture your the top of your spine. And Lisa mm-hmm. Wong had like the same kind of tool. And I was like, what is that? That's what like- the f- it's, it's like, an ice pick. Yeah, it's basically, basically, basically in her hair pick. because she's an Asian lady. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like a, a deadly toothpick or chopstick. It's it's a common trope with Asian villains. Oh, it in, is. In yeah. exploitation movies. Can can we just talk about that? Is yeah. that yeah. why? Out of the way. Yeah. Lisa Wong. All right. Mm-hmm. Lisa Wong. Mm-hmm. She is um, presented as the classic dragon trope, lady. Right. She's the dragon lady, and so the dragon lady is going to be always be hypersexual, mm-hmm. aggressive. Mm-hmm. Sometimes she's also murderous. Sometimes she's just powerful. She's always forceful. It's sort of like this in, inverted idea of the obedient Asian female. Totally. It's very confusing. It's we a totally can't win. There's not a single place between between that. Like it's it's like these two opposite ends of the spectrum, like, nothing in between. Like a geisha so, sort of thing is the opposite, right? Sure, like yeah, like a submissive, a submissive thing. But the the hair ornaments, for whatever reason, it's like I don't know if that was a real thing where women might have had weapons in their <laughs> hair ornaments. I've never come across any in the times in my life when I have had my hair filled with Japanese uh, weapons, hair, weapons. <laughs> assassin tools. I mean, let's let's be real. I mean, it almost anything can be used as a weapon if it needs to be. Very true. But but that's a classic thing where it's like, oh, she has knives in her hair or she has whatever. It makes me think of this time when I was at the airport, like shortly after 9-11, and they made me step aside with a female security officer who was just doing her job at a very difficult time. But I had my hair in a ponytail and she took this, a stick and like flipped my ponytail around a little bit. And then she asked me to take <laughs> my ponytail out. And I just what? thought, I wonder if I thought, cause I've been so 
indoctrinated with this idea of the dragon lady, the assassin, the whatever, the street fighter lady with the razor blades yeah. in her hair, like mm-hmm. the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. That I just thought, does she make the white ladies take their ponytails out? Like, does everybody po- everybody's ponytail get searched? <laughs> I've never asked that question. Like, what are the statistics on ponytail search? <laughs> but, but I just had that moment. And it's that's how ingrained in my psyche and my exposure to pop culture um, representations of Asian females that, that that is, you know, where it's like you have to be all, all the things and none of the things, right? Like yeah. in the same episode that we have, this character of Lisa Wong being menacing and sexy and like, she's kind of out of control. She has to both be controlled by Colonel Sanders, but she's also like, (laughs) you know, like she's got to be everything. She's sometimes she's the brain. Sometimes she's the killer. Sometimes she can't control herself. Sometimes she's just like got her little braids and her moped. And it's like, she just came straight from UCLA where by the way, it, it stopped being called the Oriental library like two, I think two, a year or two after they filmed this episode. Wow, really? Oh. Yeah. The, um, that's great. The moped, okay, oh, the, moped the moped scene. That was crazy. I laughed I so hard. She watching her drive away on that thing. <laughs> oh, it was so I laughed great. So it was hard. so yeah. Southern California, Asian American <laughs> moment. I super loved it with her bright blue pants <laughs> yeah. and the yellow <laughs> moped. And I just thought that's a great look. Like did she, I, think, she looked without great. the blouse, yeah. but she looked great oh. and she, uh, she, she did, did a great job. She did that because but, she was she was like, This will make me seem like more uh, like more innocent, right? Like that's why she was on that. Yeah, thing? but Is she probably also did that because that's how Asian Americans look when they're not busy being murderous, yeah. sociopathic, <laughs> sex bomb madams. Yeah, and then, you know, like that. Their character touched on every single thing, and like the yeah. weird thing that Eric referenced, where the Jonathan's like doing the sight gags, right? Where he it's weirdly like shoji screens and the. Mm-hmm. thing but just, and like sliding them open and there's the one woman walking on the guy's back and then there's the woman with the massage thing and the guy's weirdly laughing mm-hmm. um i don't know did any this probably didn't happen for you but in our house we totally had one of those rubber balls on like the metal thing that you would hit your back with um i can't remember what, what they're called but that's like a real thing that's just like a normal thing that asians have to like hit your back and give yourself a massage <laughs> But yeah, so Lisa Wong, it's complicated. I mean, that character, they jam a lot of of stereotypes into one yeah. single performance. Is that, do you think the most, so I, I'm, I'm curious about the most offensive thing from the episode from your perspective, Ellen. Do from you, my perspective? Yeah. Is there is there well, one that, or is it like an overall? I, I speak because much like Eric, I am not Chinese. Remember the differences that mm-hmm. I'm not going to apologize for not being Chinese. The, mm-hmm. uh, I, <laughs> My perspective on the the dragon lady trope is more from just a general sort of female of Asian right. heritage uh, perspective. Mm-hmm. So I don't know that I'm I'm offended by it. Like I'm con- confused about my feelings with this episode because, yeah. of course, I saw it as a child, and and there's so many examples of this exact same thing, and people are still just cranking these out, and it's just it's just very confusing. I love heart to heart. I'm not wild about these characterizations. Um, and I wasn't wild about him as a kid either. So, you know, the episode opens, opens with a gong. And then this yeah. very stereotypical, like timpani. What were those instruments they were using? It's throughout I mean, They're They're all like these very like 
it was like weird staccato. The chimes and the bamboo, like xylophone-y thing. Like the, the, the whole thing was so... Really weird music. Awful. So like it was, much music. Yeah. So every so single note pretty yeah. much yeah. is sort of got, is just sprayed all over with the yeah. Asian sound. That's such a cheap so and lame. stupid yeah. way to express it's really something. Bad. Like it's, it's just, that's the laziest possible thing for a composer to do. And I know that for television in the seventies and, and into the eighties and actually into now, that's a that's a common like cheap and easy way oh, to God, illustrate yeah. that another culture is in the room. Well, I'll say like I never <laughs> this might not be great about me, but I joke about the gong all the time, you know, where I'm just like gong yeah. <laughs> because it's such a stupid thing, but it's like, yeah. Asia, there's gongs, you guys. So it's just like, we've just used it in a way that makes it so that now you and I, Eric, joke about the stupid gong sound. I know. But the music, the music in this episode was relentless. It was relentless. presence was, it's like, there were just so much music. Like, it wasn't even like they they had two themes that just were the, and this is in quotes, quotation marks, oriental themes. It was like, so much individual music. Yeah. Like there was like menacing Asian music. There was like <laughs> hilarious, like uh slapstick oriental yes. music. Like there was just so much of it that it's just beyond conspicuous compared to many other episodes where it's like, there's not even that much, just whatever benign suspenseful disco influenced music. Yeah. Like this was just, so I guess Joe, in answer to your question, I just figured that out. The thing that offended me the most about <laughs> this episode is the relentless presence of cornball, um, stereotypical bullshit ching chong music that just makes me so pissed. For yeah, some that reason. was that it's was me top. too. For so me, well, we all top. know the reason. It's not some reason. It's because it's racist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean. Nobody's getting an, an award for being like, this episode is less racist. Like that wasn't actually a category no. at the Emmys. <laughs> or, a con- um, or a concern. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. But it's just sort of, it's also confusing because I often just think about, you know, like my dad, one of the reasons my dad loved watching Star Trek was because of George Takei being on Star Trek. And they had some, they were similar age and uh, similar in story, like in terms of being incarcerated during the war and having that experience, you know, like all of that. And so it meant something to my father. And as a result, it really meant something to me to see that person. And so it's about representation, right? So it's very confusing to this day. Like I want Asians, I want all kinds of people to be represented for myself with my lived experience and who I am. It, it's meaningful to me to know that a handful of actors of Asian heritage got to be on this show that was actually hugely popular. Like that's something. And it's, it's really confusing to sort of celebrate it without denigrating them and their experience and understanding that these choices that people have to make. And that's sadly, that's no different now than it was then. It might be like a little better, but still sucks shit. I know. I was thinking about that. Like this Lisa Wong, like this, this woman got this role on a big show and like, it's like, you you know, that's what you're given and it sucks that you're given this shitty, like stereotypical role, but you can't, 
tell her not to take that role. That's crazy. Like no, that, people got to work. They got to, you, you got to pay your rent. Yeah, totally. And she's, she's great in the show. I mean, she's so she's, good. She's great. She's so good. Yeah. She's amazing. Yeah. And, yeah. and I want to, use this moment to bring up James Hong. James Hong? Who is one of oh, my favorite man. actors. Like he is oh, I le- love him like so legit much. one of my favorite actors. I reference him mm-hmm. all the fucking time. He's so, he's so great. great. He's so great. Like we, we were watching Mulan, the, mm-hmm. the animated Mulan mm-hmm. a couple Which nights I've ago. Which I've never and, seen. And, and his, he's in it. Like his voice is in it. And I was like, that's James Hong. That's my yeah. man. And Joe was like, oh, James Hong. Cool. And then yeah, when and he then showed up in the episode, episode, I was like, that's it. That's James Hong. That's mm-hmm. the dude. Mm-hmm. He's one of those actors that like, he knew what was being asked of him. He was, mm-hmm. he, he took on these roles fully aware mm-hmm. of what was being asked of him and how problematic these characters can be in these shows, yeah. of, in these television shows and mm-hmm. movies mm-hmm. of the time. And he never felt like a caricature of himself. He has this very dignified voice, even though it's kind of bird-like and weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's still like you. You. He has a. There's a gravitas to him. What What else is he in that he's, listeners might know? Do you know? Uh, my oh, favorite. Well, he's in Chinatown. Oh, <laughs> he is in China. He's in Chinatown. Uh-huh. Uh, he's, he's in everything. He's also. He's yeah. Anything that has a Chinese guy in <laughs> Big it. Big Trouble in Little in China. It. He is in Big Trouble. <laughs> he's, he really, he's, oh, really? in my opinion. He's the star Absolutely. of Big Trouble wow. in Little China. He's everything in that. James Hong was Lopan. He was oh. the vil- the villain, the main villain. James Hong, if anybody is listening and they haven't seen the episode and and they Google him up, I mean he's what is it? They, he's been in more than six hundred. Wow. Yeah. Things. I mean, he's like he's out Michael Caining, Michael Caine. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. And he's also in nineteen sixty five, he along with a group of other Asian American actors from the East West Players, which is an organization still active today, and they uh, focus a lot on education and representation and telling specifically Asian American stories. Wow. And it's really important uh, and meaningful. And just for the record, everybody, James Hong is uh, an American of Chinese heritage. He's uh, originally born in Minnesota. <laughs> nice. He, he's so badass. That's awesome. So uh, yeah, he's he, amazing. So I'm, I'm wondering like, so in, 79 this episode came out in 79 right sure did there was the music we were talking about how crazy and stupid the music is but like what (laughs) there's a the white audience of this show of heart to heart mostly white i'm assuming i don't know that but i'm assuming what is the thing that they're trying to do with this Asian culture? Like it really reminds me of gremlins for some reason. I I keep thinking of gremlins and how it's like Uh. this, like mysterious, like very spiritual because it it was like really exotic. Even me growing up, like it was like Chinese food and sushi was like super exotic. It was like this weird. Oh, you keep saying exotic. Yeah, that's what it was, though. Like, that's what they were trying to, like, make it, you know? It's like the foggy Chinatown scene, you know, like, where there's, like, deals being done in back rooms and stuff like that. And it's like, is that what they were trying to capture by using all these stereotypes? Like, I'm just wondering, like, what is the perspective, this white perspective we're getting on Asian culture that is fetishized in this weird way to make it, like, what are they trying to make out of it? I just don't understand why that was ever a thing. Like, why is that the 
the white perspective of Asian culture in the 70s? Well, I mean, there's so many things, historically speaking, behind the intense othering of mm-hmm. Asians mm-hmm. Uh, in American and European culture. I mean, Orientalism is just just such a major thing it's i mean i I just i'm being incoherent about it it's just so big it's huge Um, it's huge and it's in answer to your question (laughs) joe i know why and then from a a personal and and philosophical perspective i don't know why i don't know why but i know why yeah yeah right (laughs) intellectually i know why Mm -hmm. but it's funny because I, when we were talking about, oh, I'm going to, I was like, oh, let's eat a fortune cookie or open a fortune cookie mm-hmm. on the pod tonight. <laughs> but um, since I live in Tacoma, when I first moved down to Tacoma, because I was living in Seattle in the International District, which is, of course, Chinatown for people that aren't familiar with Seattle, we refer to it as, as both. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, oh. When I moved down there, I'll just find the International District, the Chinatown of Tacoma. And then it was like, oh, yeah, there isn't one. (laughs) Um, And because of the incredibly violent history of the Chinese Expulsion Act uh, as it relates to Tacoma. So there's no Chinatown because there were no Chinese people Mm -hmm. because they were forced to leave. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a lot, but it's it's like something that I do. It's funny to not funny. haha, but it's curious to think about um as we're talking about this episode how um how it infiltrates so many yeah things, right it's so much mm-hmm. i feel like we could talk forever i know i know about well, that, I, I know we should question. get we should we should um, we should talk f- about the episode because we're we, we yeah, can really we just go on for hours and hours and hours about this totally and of course it's not unfortunately it's not a unique experience just for asian communities and asian cultures no in america to be fetishized or appropriated or yeah you know, it's been it's just been happening for so long, and I feel like re, it's only recently. I mean, like Crazy Rich Asians is like a of one example of a thing that's come out that I I was working with some animators who are both Asian, and they were kind of excited for this movie because it was like representation that wasn't that, and that's very recent that that is changing. And there's like the farewell came out recently. These are all uh, Aquafina things, yeah. but it's like <laughs> I feel like that's only very recently and i'm thinking of like black panther too in like entertainment like hollywood level entertainment where you're getting representation that's not that stereotypical thing and it's so recent that this stuff is happening well it's representation on a scale of yeah black panther or crazy rich asians yeah not not because like we there's always been not that there hasn't always been been stuff for us to to look at where we see ourselves but it's never been on a scale yeah. such as this. It's been rarely, rarely felt authentic or mm-hmm. not about being black, being Asian, being Latino, being gay, being, you know, it's like you don't just get to be a person. Exactly. But then, the, I mean. Gilmore Girls, like Lane. Lane is a is an example, right, of someone that's Asian American. Love you, Lane. Love and you, Rory's Keka. friend, right? Keka gonna mm-hmm. love you. <laughs> um, you know, and of course, growing up in the West Coast and especially in Seattle, it's mm-hmm. it was hard for me to understand that, you know, like 
people would be on the real world and be like, I never met a gay person before or that people would not think that there could be Asians or not have Asian Americans in their lives who were just regular people Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. or black people in their lives that were just regular ass people, you know, that there would, that there would still be such a preponderance of stereotypes um, in pop culture, just this relentless crashing waves of stereotypes never to be debunked fully. Um, like really there's just, you just can't be an American person of Asian heritage who is just a regular person. Mm -hmm. Like, do you always have to be playing the violin or talking with the weird accent or working at the laundry or the restaurant? Do you always have to be like the sexy lady or the assassin or the whoever? And it's like, man, that ain't it. That sucks. Yeah, Yeah, totally. But you know, but this episode has a really tall guy in it with a Y shaped (laughs) scar on his eye for no real reason, unless he just really has that scar. I didn't take a look. Is that really his scar? That's not a real scar. That's not a real scar. It is a really great makeup job though. Uh, That, that actor's name is Ben Bates. uh, And he's only, he's, I'm going to say only, and I will, I will explain that he's only Uh six, seven. He's only six right. foot seven. Oh shit, that's so Joe, tall. He's Joe, not Joe is six foot five. <laughs> that's if I see anybody taller than me ever, I'm like in my mind, I'm like you're a fucking freak. Like that's I, I'm so six foot weird. three, and when I met Joe, what? I was like, oh yeah. shit, like you're well, you're fine, and please come home with me. But uh, <laughs> oh my god, that's the first thought. <laughs> that Why was did the first I not? Thought. You guys are both so tall. I yeah. know. <laughs> it's not like I haven't seen you in real life. We slouch a lot. What the hell? We slouch. Oh we my have, God. This is have, the no. biggest news to me backs. because stereotypes of Asians in pop culture is not news to me, but your actual heights, that's news to me. How can I have never noticed that? Wow. <laughs> I'm five feet tall. I don't know. Yeah, that's funny. And I just want to, I want to bring up like how they keep (laughs) making tall people people really bad in TV shows. (laughs) Oh, come on. They make really bad short people. Usually tall people are very endearing in in television shows. Yeah, they're like gentle giants. Yes. Sometimes. And then sometimes they're violent. What was the word? Dumb. Oh, fuck. Diabolical. Diabolical. He's a diabolic giant. Diabolic. Yeah, he was described as diabolic. I think Max may have said the most racist thing in this episode, though. About the tea? Yes. So when <laughs> Wait, what, yes, what Lisa, Lisa, Wong, Lisa Wong, she comes over. I'll put the oh. kettle on. Yeah. And I was like, oh, Max. Wong, I'll put yes. the kettle on. Oh, God, Max. Jesus. I could try really hard. I could try real hard to make that okay. <laughs> But I'm not going. I'm not going to. That's not okay. No, I didn't even. I honestly didn't pick up on that. Like I, I I just thought, oh yeah, no, he's putting the tea. They're they're having a guest. Yeah, and then uh, Lisa Wong. They're not English. So so. she comes over. She's like trying to suss out like what's going on with these hearts. Why do they have our statue that we want? You know, like she's trying to figure out. She's like putting on this air of being really innocent in their house when she's her braided. Pigtails, yes, beautiful, lustrous braids. Early in the so good. Earlier in the episode, she's like, "We should just kill them. Let's just kill them right now and take the thing back." But then Colonel Sanders is like, "No, (laughs) let's not do that." And I don't, I don't know why we needed a Colonel Sanders. Why did we need a white guy in charge of her? Why couldn't Lisa Wong just have been the villain in this? It's bizarre. Um, Do you is that rhetorical? No, 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 that's a real question. It's just like why couldn't. It's like he's such an extra character. He's so superfluous. It's just like, what do you, why do we need? He doesn't do anything. He gets stabbed Arthur at the end. Sydney. I feel like we don't get a lot of backstory on Arthur Sydney. No, no. Um, but it's one weird. of my, this is, this is not <laughs> one of my favorite 
Arthur Sidney, Lisa Wong moments is <laughs> in the very start of the episode where she says, she said, what did she say? Like patience is yes, one I've, of my, my few remaining virtues. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He goes, yeah. he like lurches over her to like put his hand on her leg. And then the super quote unquote, like Oriental music kicks in. <laughs> and then, and she like gives him like the ice and he like, just completely like backs off and moves his hand. It's just like, what's happening right now? Yeah. What is this? What are, where, who are they? Like, are they just them like rich people or what, who are they working well, I for? Think, I think we never really, except for that moment. It's like, yeah. You, often I feel like it's made to seem like the couple, right? Because the Asian woman's always going to want to be with like the powerful white guy or whatever. (laughs) I'm being sarcastic. Everybody don't (laughs) ask. The clearly gay white guy with like weird pompadour hair. (laughs) They're always, I love Colonel Sanders. Not really. I mean, I like, it's just like, I love his white Um, suit the whole time. What are you doing? Well, it's just, it's kind of never really, explained what their connection might be, which is totally fine. There's yeah. also, thankfully, not the usual thing that happens in episodes like this where they t- it's like always like the tong, you know, or there's like a way, way more bullshit martial arts stuff than there is in this episode. Yeah, there wasn't much. Yeah. I'd like to talk about uh, the disturbing moment when the scar-faced, not very giant, giant knocks the two monks' heads together. I find that upsetting. <laughs> that was so stupid. Uh, that whole sequence. So Jonathan and him are going into the temple to like, he, Jonathan's kind of working with him because Colonel Sanders Jennifer, and Lisa yeah. Wong have Jennifer held captive. So Jonathan has to pretend like he's trying to get them the statue back with this giant guy, the diabolic giant. <laughs> and there is, it starts with a shot of the two monks guarding the statue and the pan takes 20 minutes it's fucking <laughs> crazy how long this pan goes on they that's, really they put a lot of faith in that i like, think that's when i fell right. asleep <laughs> that might i really think it's when i fell asleep because it was just like this shot is going on forever and it's mm. then jonathan and the giant are like hiding behind the giant gong and then jonathan distracts them and then the, the giant comes up and clonks their heads together like coconuts yeah the patience is not one of the chauffeurs the chauffeur giants yeah. virtues <laughs> one of his remaining virtues and jonathan right. run, he runs out into this temple to these two guards he's like where can i get some good chinese food like that's what he's saying to them and it's just like stop <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's pretty bad God. <laughs> It's really. Uh, I know it's, you guys. We're just really veering wildly well, all no, over but it's the, like, the map. It's really yeah. hard to talk about this shit. Like for all intents and purposes, this was a very fun episode of Heart to Heart. But it's so. I don't know. Actually, it's such a problem. Like there's so many things that it's that it's, you can't just breeze by. I know. I don't mean that you shouldn't like take pleasure in the banter because the banter was great. Yeah. Or or the the humor, which was so prevalent in this episode. It was so funny. I know when I keep thinking of when Jennifer gets picked up by the giant, when she's going through a thousand and one pleasures, <laughs> she's like, Jonathan, Jonathan. And then the, <laughs> the giant comes around the corner and she's like, ah! <laughs> and just gets fully picked up by him. So funny. And yeah, carried into the I mean, room. That there's was a lot of, of hilarious moments in the episode, but yeah, but it's, of course it's wrapped up in these other things that, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, a, it it's interesting it. to me when she's in the library and she's on the payphone <laughs> and she's like, 
well before um, China was colonized by the foreigners in the 1800s. And I'm like, ooh, Jennifer. <laughs> like she just goes there with it. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about the fight scene with the, all the Buddha statues where Jonathan makes that weird ass noise when he punches the big guy. Well, so they break into the place. <laughs> yeah. They break into the import store. Because mm-hmm. the woman switched out the, their statue, right? Because they had her. There's the hilarious thing where it's like the wall of statues, right? Yeah. It's a classic, classic mm-hmm. thing. Mayhem then, ensues. Yeah. The light switch thing. The diabolic giant comes in and they, the, Jonathan starts f- grappling with him. And they're very... The, the hearts have never been more, I don't really know what the word would be for this, but like cavalier about their fighting where Jonathan's being picked <laughs> up by this giant and he's like, I think we made a, a mistake. He's still Jonathan like cracking gets jokes. gets his ass kicked. Yeah. He gets yes. the shit kicked out of him. And they, yeah, it's this episode again, we have talked about this before. It's a very Muppet show. <laughs> yes. Kind of thing. Yeah. Like violence doesn't really mean anything. No. It's just kind of a means to an and end. And then Jennifer t- t- is trying to help out, but she's, it's like her shoes are made of soap and she's like <laughs> slipping around the room, picking up Buddha statues and smashing them against this giant. And that's how they find the right one is she smashes it against him and it's in it like the ceramic. Which is great, off. by yeah. the way. That's a great device. I did like that a lot. That is really good. And I mean, it kind of goes without saying, but if that thing was really gold, Nobody's picking that thing up. The statue you had in your car yeah. weighed 300 pounds. Yes. The one that you took home from the store weighed two pounds. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's a light coat of ceramic. I loved that the tits on the statue were blushed as well as the cheeks. They were. I love that. And then mm-hmm. the the <laughs> my favorite moment of the episode is when Jonathan is like tricking he it's like a really weird sequence of events where he un he unscrews the um air filter like what is it called? A air valve to his tire yeah. on his car that he drives with like the it's giant. the matchstick in it. Yeah, and to to deflate the tire so that he can come out. Mm-hmm. Once they get the statue, him and the giant go in, they get the statue, they clonk the monks together. They have the <laughs> statue. And then Jonathan is like, um, we sold our, our Jack the other day. So you have to lift up the car so that I can go into the trunk. It's really weird. That's what's just happening. him having thinking two steps ahead. Yeah. Like he can, he can incapacitate the giant while by making him lift out. a car. So and- then he goes back to where they have Jennifer kept, held captive the colonel and lisa wong and they he's like give me jennifer and i'll give you the bag and they switch at the same time right or he pulls a gun on them i can't remember and then he gives them the the statue in this burlap sack and they let them both <laughs> leave the room again a statue yeah. that sight unseen currently weighs one pound it's one pound they undo Suddenly it much smaller and, and it's it feels a blender like an, an oster blender because well, earlier in the so episode so we can say max is the true well, Jennifer and Max together are the true yeah. uh, levers for success in this episode because Jennifer uh, asked Max to get the blender repaired. Mm-hmm. Can you put it in the trunk of the car, right? Mm-hmm. So much like I believe the plague is really what killed Romeo and Juliet, the blender <laughs> saves the hearts. Is what killed the Colonel, Colonel and Lisa Wong. <laughs> And then, but my favorite part of that whole scene is they like undo the bag and it's a blender and it's like, wah, wah. and then Lisa Wong is, says, how did he do that? Well, that what? seems like a legitimate question. 
I guess. Why would there be a blender anywhere between the house of a thousand and one (laughs) pleasures pleasures or whatever and the temple of the East? East. Yeah. It's like, how is there a blender in that bag? I mean, that's just so random. I'm with Lisa Wong on that. I guess. I'm not. I'm not. The question should be, how did you let this happen? Yeah, (laughs) Colonel. And like, how did you not notice this was a blender when you picked it up in your fucking hands? And why aren't they running after them? (laughs) They, they had just, Jennifer and Jonathan had just left the room like 10 seconds before they see the blender. It's not even the size and shape of the fucking yeah, Hotai set. It's like completely it's different. So different. So ridiculous. So then they bring the statue back to the Temple of the East where the monk <laughs> who had earlier pulled a gun on them, right? Keep that um what's his name? James Hong? James Hong. He didn't pull Hong. a gun. He yeah. Mm-hmm. He Jennifer threatens them. He threatens her. No, he, he doesn't threaten her at all. He, he just says, he Hey, we're nonviolent. We are nonviolent, but we want our we want our statue. It's ours. We're the rightful owners. And, yeah. she's, and Jennifer, being worldly and wise, says, Yeah, that makes sense to me, and gives them no, the statue. Okay, I have to rewatch it because I'm no, more sure than any other time I've been so sure about mistakes I've made about things that have happened in episodes. <laughs> Which is every episode. He says something that it's meant to make you feel like, because that you still can't trust the monks, right? That they're still like the menacing yellow peril or whatever, the mysterious monks lurking in the library, et cetera, et cetera, Uh getting into the Mercedes with you, et cetera. (laughs) That uh, he he says something bad could happen to you, basically. He, He insinuates that something bad could happen but he doesn't mean that they're going to kill the hearts yeah, for no. the statue. What? He's no. just saying like something bad will happen. That's a threat. He threatens her. If you, if you don't give it to us. And he means that they're going to get killed by Lisa Wong and Colonel Sanders. Oh, I have no to matter rewatch what. because the, the other monks pop up in her car. Okay. That they're that's, threatening. That's so threatening. That's my, my one note. That is, is not that, threatening to you guys. <laughs> well, one of many, but Jennifer's just <laughs> sitting in her car. I know. And then suddenly a dude pops up at her backseat of her car that she would see the backseat clearly from any yeah. vantage point. <laughs> it's a huge car. It's a huge car. It's heart three. I mean, it's not huge as Ellen is, as uh, let us know. <laughs> It's a normal size car. It's a, a smallish station wagon. <laughs> but even that fact yeah. says that she would notice a man laying down in the back seat of her car. <laughs> Two men, wasn't it? Two men. Wasn't didn't one pop up in the There's, passenger seat? There was one in the back seat and then one gets in the passenger seat. Okay. He gets in the passenger seat. Um, and then James Wong the, just like appears. <laughs> that's very threatening. There it's totally Monks. threatening, but it's not. They they never they never physically threaten her. I they, think they they do. say no, they don't. Mm-hmm. They okay. they say like we are a nonviolent sect. Well, uh, we want like we want that. It's ours. You should give it to mm-hmm. us. Okay. And this... they do say bad things will happen if you don't give yeah. it to us. But they're not saying mm-hmm. we're going to do the bad things. They're saying they're Colonel insin- Sanders that's and a, Lisa that's Wong. That's a heavy insinuation. But so no, it's it's you're meant to, you're meant to feel like he's threatening her because you're supposed to be right unsure of which which, which shady Asians yeah <laughs> are on real. the right side. Every single person is played for menace, <sighs> yeah. which is not unique to Asians in this episode. It's kind of like a classic 
heart heart thing, right? Where it's just like, hmm, who's bad? And who's then, bad, you guys? So she, this is when Jonathan is in A Thousand and One Pleasures. And then she, so this is the moment she goes in and she's like, Jonathan, Jonathan. And the giant picks her up and she's like, ah. And then she's in the room and Jonathan's like, yeah, we can give you this statue. We have it. Jennifer, let's go get it. And Jennifer's Jennifer. I can't do that. She, I can't do that. She just keeps saying, I can't do that. We can't do that. Instead of actually saying what happened, she's like, I had to make some choice, is what she says. It's just like so confusing. Like what Jennifer just tell them what happened. Because they're they have guns on them. They're gonna kill them. But she still won't say, like, oh, a bunch of monks just took the statue from me. I also I had the same thought where I was like, she could very easily just say, like, hey, yeah. uh the it monks took it from me. Yeah. So it's what? gone. But I also think she knows what's right in this situation. So she's protecting the so monks. She's she's yeah. being yeah, oh. she's being Look as, at it. I was like I'm glad she's doing that, but I also, I just become lost in the moment where the two of them are talking at the same time and it's sort of hypnotic, right? Yeah. And funny and mm-hmm. weird, but it's like, she's just buying time yeah. so that the monks can get back to the oh, temple of the East she's, because she's always it's in like, the right. oh my Jennifer's God, right. yeah, like, don't, okay. please don't sell the monks down the river. This might have been a moment I fell asleep because were, I were, was like, how, how can every drifting. moment be a moment where you fell asleep? I know. Asleep? That's yeah. what I'm wondering because in my mind, at this point, the monks were bad. Everyone was bad. Like the I monks, never thought the monks were bad. I, I never thought the monks thought the were monks so bad. bad. I thought they were evil because no. they kept stalking her in the library. No, the because Orient we already we already see Colonel Sanders and we know that he's bad. Well, we like, know he's like, bad. He has he has his dragon lady that stabs people with her chopsticks. Oh my god! Okay, so. Did you guys notice that everyone at the at that point Oriental Library is Asian? Yes. Yes. I did notice that. Except Jennifer. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. I also loved the Asian librarian in her terrible wig. Like that wig. Oh honey. Mm. Come on. Talking She's like the only Japanese. Jennifer person through the, the Dewey episode. Decimal system. So there's this very slapstick fight with all the Buddha statues. And then there's a really another very slapsticky fight at the I thought it was Temple of be the East. Kung Fu like no, I thought they were gonna at really, least go there this, with their horrible stereotypes and have the monks be like, like maybe they're, maybe they're monks. suddenly Shaolin monks. Yeah. No like, I thought that might happen because it was like, yeah, no, well, they made a point of saying like they were nonviolent. They're nonviolent. So I thought, well, great, when they do have to fight. Yeah they're going to know Kung Fu. Like mm. it's going to be exquisite. And it wasn't. It, it was, was very Muppety, very messy. Very like, Muppety. It was just like a big group of people, like a lot of really bad edits. It was worse than the kitchen fight in Monaco. It, in well, the, it was one the of the edits that, <laughs> that's weird to me is yes. that you don't actually see the moment where Lisa Wong stabs Colonel stabs Sanders. Colonel. Right. Yes. And so you're sort of left wondering, like, was it because he's like, wrestling around with Jonathan and you think she's trying to stab Jonathan and she accidentally stabs Colonel Sanders, right? Because Jonathan like does the human shield thing or whatever, but we actually see none of that. It's so So part of me just hopes that Lisa Wong just stabbed Colonel Sanders and she's done with it. But then there's also this great uh, color story of her blue dress Mm, and the monk that's got her in his choke hold Mm -hmm. (laughs) in his Mm -hmm. orange robe. I know that's (laughs) really not... That's not what you're supposed to be looking at, but it's like, ooh, I that's- love that. There was some really good color shit in this one. I just want to say, yeah, I want to talk through that. That specific edit was so just like <laughs> mind blowing to me because it was like 
So it's like Jonathan and the, and the <laughs> Colonel are grappling and then she's behind Jonathan. She, there's a shot of her raising her little ice pick up. And then there's a shot of Jonathan and the Colonel switching sides, rotating around. And then there's a shot of the Colonel with a stab wound in his back. And it was right. like, what the fuck just happened? Like, why did you shoot it that way? It was so weird. Honest, and then the honestly, fight is over. I don't even remember that Colonel Sanders got stabbed. Yeah, she accidentally mm-hmm. stabs him. I don't I don't remember that at all. Because it's so weirdly mm-hmm. edited. It's like the Resident Evil movies. He's like lying. He's dying. Mm-hmm. He says to the muscle, like, get the ho-tie. Because I guess he doesn't understand that he's dying. Yeah, posthumously, he even wants them to win. He's like, mm-hmm. let's yeah, still win even though I'm dead. It's just, and then what happens to Lisa Wong? Does she get strangled to death or she goes to jail, I assume, I guess. Um, the monk wouldn't strangle her to death. And also, like Eric's saying, like if the monks were versed in some form of martial arts, it would be a responsive form of martial arts yeah. where you are simply reacting to deflect mm. violence <laughs> away from yourself. You're not acting in violence. Like Krav so, those the the monks could not <laughs> could not really uh, be attacking um, like capoeira. Capoeira, yeah, <laughs> it is that what that is what those two I think are based on uh, reactionary. Yes, well, I I feel like there's just if anyone's wondering if you should hate Colonel Sanders, he shoots the monk. Yeah, he sh- he, he shot. just straight up shoots him, and I have the exact same reaction that as I have had every time I've ever seen this episode, which is part of me is always thinking that the bullet's going to ricochet off of the stat, the hojai <laughs> and just kill Colonel Sanders or even better kill Lisa Wong. Yeah. Just goes straight between her eyes. Right. But instead he just legit like nails James Hong in James the shoulder. Hong. Yeah. He you know, does James Hong. He, he died. I thought, or no. I don't no. think he died. I think it was he a flesh die. wound. So Jimmy Lee was the only murder in this episode. Yes. Okay. So there was, it was murder. Fashion. Oh, mm. Jennifer's outfit in the first scene in the restaurant. The, the uh, sparkly, sparkly. <laughs> wrap style top. I really, I could really get down with that. When, when they decide to break in mm-hmm. to Jimmy Lee's store, Jonathan dons all black sneak wear and <laughs> Jennifer puts on a yellow top, very low cut. A yellow top with white pants and pearls. She's already and a long necklace or two necklaces. She's it's, already wearing that when they decide to leave. Yeah. But Jonathan also, wasn't wearing the black outfit. Like he Jonathan put that has on a lot of wardrobe changes in this episode. I like, I like all of them. I really love the pinstripe suit. That he's oh, wearing in the first scene. I that love that. Good. And then he's wearing the plaid, the houndstooth jacket when Lisa Wong comes to their house to pretend that she's Jimmy Lee's friend. I like that too. Oh, yeah. I took a picture of Lisa Jennifer's Wong. Jennifer's wearing her, her on-the-case purple when she goes <laughs> yeah. to the library. So was Jimmy Lee part of the church or the Temple of the East or who was he? It's my understanding that he was a follower of uh, or an observer of that religious sect because he is on the phone with, I'm assuming, James Hong in the beginning. And he, and he says, the shipment is is here. Right. Right. Okay. And it was just, but wow. Lisa Wong is just lying 
because she wants the hearts to give her the gold the statue. tie. And then James Hong just wanted the statue because it belonged to the Temple yeah. of the East and it was gold. Mm-hmm. He didn't want it because it well, was no, gold. He wanted it because, he wanted it, was it, because it was in a religious artifact of great importance to their yeah. temple. Do you remember what Lisa calls it at the Hearts House? She mm. says it's a sacred object from the Orient, like your true cross. <laughs> she says that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, I don't remember that. Oh my God. She compares it. She puts it into Judeo-Christian terminology for them. I have a question to pose to the group. When, so at the very beginning of the episode, Jennifer gets a fortune cookie fortune that says you will meet a, a mysterious stranger. And at the end of the episode, they are again eating fortune cookies with giant glasses of very thick milk, milk. that looks like paint. It looks like white paint because it's so thick. It's because it's Elmer's glue with water. Yeah, it's just Elmer's glue. And it looks like, it doesn't look like milk. But they're they're in their bed and they're eating Maybe fortune cookies. Maybe the hearts cookies. can just afford very rich, creamy milk. <laughs> and there's like... 20 fortune They brought cookies. it back from Monte Carlo. <laughs> oh, oh, Joe, I don't I don't know how to tell you this without seeming ageist, but uh in the late 70s milk was very decadent. Oh, it was like a delicious rich. rich person drink. Mm. Oh, the milk of the, the milk. late 70s. <laughs> the thick Elmer's glue milk. <laughs> um but so they That's why we're so strong. They're they're each eating like thirty fortune cookies. They have a huge fortune cookie pile in front of them. They have a full plate of fortune cookies. Yeah, that's and all they're eating. Je- um, Jennifer chooses. She closes her eyes and she chooses one and she reads the fortune and it says, "You will meet a mysterious stranger in your future." It's the same fortune. And then the lights go out and there's voiceover and she says, "Jonathan," in the dark, and he says trying to be mysterious and my question is what did he do i loved that what did he do to okay. her that was that may have been my favorite moment of the entire episode really more than the rubbing the belly yeah that, well oh what you do that to me and i'll give you anything you want that one oh, yeah. That, yeah i'll bring that you was, anything you want that was also adorable but but that one was steeped in racism uh this this one was just like Sex fun, and yeah. I'm always about the sex fun. <laughs> I think it's so fun. It's an airhead moment. It's an airhead moment. But what, I, what did he do? Where did his hand go to be a mysterious stranger? Like, what? well, well, I'm just thinking that it was his left hand. <laughs> <laughs> he just went came from the other angle. <laughs> it was the stranger. The stranger. He sat on it until it was asleep. So, if we're all done oh, no. thinking, Ugh. we can do our one segment. You that, mean. Pick your poke. Yes, I do mean that. Ooh, well, I have a strong poke. Well, I mean, mine's strong in the sense that I really want to have sex with this person. Oh, I wonder if it's the same in person. In that time, oh. but it's a problem. Uh, oh. Well, it just it goes against what I've said before. Mm. Uh, I was really into the cop that couldn't eat with oh, chopsticks. Really? Yeah. Oh, whoa. He was super cute. He had the perfect round face and... He was an effeminate He's Jew. Fire. And I, yeah. He, uh, oh, oh, he is. That's right. That's right. <laughs> He's so cute. Saint so Elmo's yeah, no. Fire. I, it's gross. <laughs> it would have. It would have been the. Uh, it would have been the the chauffeur, uh, if it weren't <gasps> him. But it. But oh. it was him. The St. Elmo's Fire is so funny because that girl tries to kill herself by opening all her windows in in Chicago, Chicago in the winter. <laughs> <laughs> that's the funniest. Which is legit. Yeah. 
Ellen, do you have, <laughs> do you have a poke? Do you have it's a your, strong it's poke? It's your turn. Oh, it's my turn? Yeah. The chauffeur. Yeah. So strongly. I was like, damn. Yeah. Every time I, I so saw him. the chauffeur, Ben. Because you guys Barris, are the same height. Yeah, basically. Because he's tall and he's silent. And he's, I was like, he's tall and he, he was kind of hot. He so also, hot. he was Swamp Thing in Swamp Thing. Oh, wow. What? Yeah. He was the He's Swamp strong. Thing, the original He's, Swamp Thing. Yeah, in that, well, in the eighties movie Swamp Thing, oh, with Adrian Barbeau and Ben. So he's Barris. like David Prowse. <laughs> yeah, totally. So he was, yeah, he was hot, he and was I, I was totally like, he would He's be my guy. But yeah, but I'm being honest with everybody. I, I really want to have sex with the uh, the round chubby cop, cop who can't eat rice with chopsticks. He kind of reminded me of Doyle from Gilmore Girls. Yeah, and I'd do that too. Yeah, I would too. Ellen. (laughs) Okay. Um, Is it, I think it's predictable if I say Lisa Wong, right? But then it seems blasphemous if I say James Hong because he's playing a monk, right? Mm, No, no. I'll say like. Neither of those things seem like disqualifiers to us. They're all up up for fucking. I maybe I think actually probably really, I I don't know why I didn't this. I've changed my mind. I feel like because (laughs) of the the Karen thing. Like Lisa Wong is too, it's too obvious. Um, She's so hot though. She is indisputably uh, sexy, et cetera. But Mm -hmm. I got to go with Jimmy Lee. That was my first pick, Jimmy Lee. He's so cute. He runs really fast. Mm -hmm. He's kind of cute. You know, like again, like. He was cute. I'm just projecting like a thing that I've never, I've never had. I've never, I don't know why. Yeah. That's a solid choice. Yeah, I'm just going with what I've had. The cop wasn't. The cop didn't. Even, <laughs> I just sorry. I'm just. Is it aspirational? I'm trying to be aspirational. The cop didn't even. I don't know why. I'm just me. not. The cop was so cute to me. That's he, really funny. He was, he I was thought so he cute. was just it's, like kind of a. He was is, a vehicle for a racist joke of like a white guy using chopsticks. You're 100 percent correct, mm. and it is like <laughs> his his entire presence is problematic. It is. And but then it's that, not the last time we're going to see him in heart to heart either. Um, as someone that also has a difficult time successfully conveying food with uh, chopsticks, but of course I'll call them Hashi. Like <laughs> I, I know that that joke is racist. Mm-hmm. Um, but for me, I'm all yeah, man, Eric. You've you've been at at chopstick food based restaurants with me, and I totally like. I'll totally sit there in the hopes that the <laughs> white person will bring a fork for the person that I'm with who is not Asian. Uh, and if they don't, then I have to be like, can we get a fork and like uh-huh. kind of just like do this quick thing with <laughs> like, my eyes, yeah. like to try and make it seem like, <laughs> hmm. because the look of thinly veiled disgust where they're just having like their <laughs> banana moment. Uh-huh. But it's like, you guys, seriously, the, the chopsticks, it's like, bowling or whatever where i just i know that i just haven't applied myself but you know what can i say joe eats potato chips with chopsticks and i think it's the most brilliant thing in the world oh i didn't like invent well then your hands don't get greasy yeah exactly that's exactly why he does it i'm always using a keyboard why would i yeah no i love it i love the first time you did it i was like what the fuck are you doing and then when i saw it in practice i was like you're really smart no i did not make that up i got that from somewhere else should we do ratings this is a three for me. I thought the I, I thought the airplane style humor was effective in this one as opposed to the last one. Like I hated I hated the French 
kitchen fight scene. I thought that was terrible. I like that more than I liked this fight See, scene. You know, I liked the I liked all the goofiness of this one. This one was just like a mass of people. Like there was no a direction to it at all. It was just like everybody run together and like start fighting and it was just like what the fuck's going on? But aside from the fight scenes, I thought the I thought the dialogue was was legitimately humor. Like I think a comedy writer was was like able to write a lot of the dialogue mm-hmm. and that's what propelled the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, aside from the racism <laughs> and <laughs> racism, I, really like, but, the, but you know what? It's a situation where I'm like, okay, I could be offended by this or I could just like go with it and just enjoy it. And mm-hmm. the music just kept saying like, Nope. If you're enjoying it, you're a racist. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's a three for me. It's a three. Okay. Huh? I'm going is it my turn? Mm-hmm. Are we going in the same order that yeah. we did? Okay, so 2.5 hearts is what I'm going because it's a middle-of-the-road episode. Strongly, mm-hmm. there was some strong Jennifer-Jonathan dialogue. There were some fun moments, but there's racism bringing it back. So <laughs> it's like a middle, very middle-of-the-road. Just, I don't know. There were some moments like that long shot I keep thinking about where I was just like, so bored it felt like filler and i was just like come on also the story the plot like who were the who were the bad guys who were the good guys i I was confused like they were confused about who colonel sanders was he needed like a bigger a more of an arc or like a drive because you he's just this mysterious figure but he's the main bad guy so it was just like what is he after what does he want just is he trying to get rich because he clearly already is rich there was a super hot chauffeur, but that's all they had. So, yeah, middle of the road, 2.5. I'm giving it a three. Oh, okay, um, okay. Because I do, I mean, this episode is just so crammed with the stereotypes and, and just sprinkled throughout with the little racist jabs or whatever. But for me, it really is the music that mm. is the absolute worst. So I have it's to wonder, so like when you, it's like, the Garfield where you take all the uh, word bubbles out of Garfield. Like what happens if you take, <laughs> if you take John, all that John music cartoon? out? <laughs> yeah. If you take all the music out of this episode or just put plug in the regular like Waka Waka Disco-y yeah. awesomeness that's in all of the episodes that aren't about Asians. Mm-hmm. Um, how would that change? I feel like the music really makes it inescapable, like Eric's saying, that you just feel like a million percent uh, complicit and shitty. You know how music is a manipulative force in television and movies where it's like Mm. it'll make you cry or it could make you laugh or it could make you feel a certain way? This just made me feel uncomfortable. Like it was, it it was so yeah. bad. It's mm-hmm. a lot. There's so many things that I I like about, it. and of course, blah blah. I always love hard art, but it's mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, that music is just like it's like just getting just getting stabbed over and over. You know what? Okay, I'm the sorry. Entire episode. This, I'm I'm my score is a two. I'm giving it a two. Oh wow! I'm, I'm changing my score from three point five to two. From three to a two. Three oh. to two. Wow. I just I I. The the more we talk about the music in particular, I'm just like, this is really shitty. Like, mm. it was just a really shitty, lazy episode. Yeah. And even though I really loved Jonathan and Jennifer in this. It's really f- different, like, uh, funny coming off of Cop Out to this, where Cop Out, we were so surprised and shocked at how well they did with that subject matter. And then this is just like, 
I mean, I guess it could have been a lot worse, though. I mean, it, maybe well, it, it, things can always be worse, but yeah. it doesn't mean that we should reward them no, for not being worse. for not being worse. Like, yeah, you're right. You're right. By by cop out standards, this episode is wrong. Yeah, it's wrong. It's bad. It's wrong. And it's poorly <laughs> done. Yeah. And they knew it. You're right. I think they knew it. Like they've already they've already illustrated in the series that we have watched thus far that they can do better. Yeah, that they can do better. Like mm-hmm. they're that that humanity is found in all uh all reaches of life. And mm-hmm. this episode was like, yeah, except for except for Asian folks. Like that's they're this just, is like just like a like, theme to yeah, be used. This is just a musical theme. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It really did feel like that's a theme mm. that we're gonna do for this episode. It's superficial and shitty. Hmm, yeah. Derek, you've convinced me. Yeah. I'm gonna go, I'll go too. Yeah, Holy shit. you're right. No, you're absolutely right. Mm. Yeah. I think that's good. Because you know what we have? We have a heartworm. Heartworm. And we're I agree at, with that. Oh, we're wow. at six point five. I do agree which with is, that. Which is a high heartworm. Mm-hmm. It's like right at right at the murmur level, but it's it's a heartworm. I mean, come on, it like, is. No one's telling anyone. Even uh, no one's telling anyone this is your favorite episode of Heart to Heart. No, no one is saying no. That. It's a bad episode overall. And as much as you love Jennifer and Jonathan. And even, Max, even without, even if you stripped away all of the racist Asian shit, it would be a convoluted, weird ass story that doesn't really make sense and doesn't really isn't moving at all in any way. Ellen, what are we doing next? Well, I'm glad you asked. Uh, originally airing on January eighth, nineteen eighty. Oh, we're in the eighties. We're in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, next week, we're going to talk about color Jennifer dead. <laughs> Oh, God. What is this painting? Jennifer has her portrait done as a gift to Jonathan for their anniversary. <laughs> I told you the anniversary episodes. Oh, that's right. When when the young artist is murdered, the hearts mingle in the high society art world where Jennifer becomes the target of a shady art speculator. Ooh, that sounds fun. Can you imagine if I gave you a painting of myself? <laughs> How weird would that be? Would uh, you love it? I would love it. That would be so See? weird. I feel like, That's but a, just me. I think it would have to have you in no, it as well. No, I would love it. Like, because I assume. Well, <laughs> here's okay, a painting no, just of me. Knowing, <laughs> knowing you and knowing who you would commission a painting from, it would be Marie. Yeah. So it would be just like a nude portrait of you <laughs> yeah. with like a giant erection or something like coming on yourself, and I'd be like, I love this. Here's so, a picture of me. Yeah. No, it would be great. <laughs> That's so funny. That's probably not what Jennifer is getting Jonathan, though. I'm assuming <laughs> <laughs> it's Jennifer with a huge boner. Jennifer with O face. The huge boner jizzing all over herself. That'd be great. Thank you guys for listening. Hey, Lorena, thank you for the email. That was so great. We were so happy to get it. Hey, Lorena. Uh, yeah. Uh, <sighs> hey, Lorena. Everybody. Really, really, I needed another take. (laughs) We love, we love hearing from you. It makes us so happy when we hear from you. Uh, And and the other thing that sounds stupid but means something to us and to the podcast: rate us and review us on the Apple Podcast app. Give us five heart, five hearts, stars, five stars. They do stars. (laughs) Give us five stars. You don't have to write a lengthy thing. If you want to, please do, because we read them and we love them. It makes us very happy. Yeah, tell us who's your favorite and tell us who we tell should cut out. T- yeah, just, yeah, just say Ellen is my favorite <laughs> yeah, and, which, and leave it at that. Uh, should we cut actually, out Eric all you or can should do, we cut out I? Just say 
Ellen is my favorite, five stars. Uh-uh. Or say, Eric is always wrong, five stars. Uh, follow us on Instagram, follow us on Twitter, both are It Was Murder Pod. You can email us at itwasmurderpod at gmail.com. And because he was in this episode and he was very cute, I would like to say good night, Freeway. Mm. Good night, Freeway. Good night, Freeway. And on behalf of all Caucasians, I'm so sorry to all Asian Americans that we've fetishized <laughs> oh, you in Joe. all our entertainment. <laughs> Doing business with you is my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs>